this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you are listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each week, we bring you a woman leader to share her important expertise about different areas of your life, your health, your self-esteem, your career, and also your relationships. You know, I've been interviewing these amazing, I call them women leaders, for more than eight years, and it's one of my favorite things to do. I learn so much from my girlfriends, from my sisters. I love hearing what they've learned so much that I chose 19 of the best experts to co-author a book called Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. If you haven't bought yours and you want to help another woman become a leader, just to be the person that she wants to be, check it out. We would love for you to have that, to buy Leading Women for a, for a good Christmas present. Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, any bookstore should have this book, Leading Women. Now today we're going to be talking about health, something that women need to take more and more time to think about their health. And today's amazing guest is Jeannie James. This is her. This is our third conversation with her uh, with Jeannie. In her 30-year career, she has done everything to improve women's health, from pioneering better health care for women to addressing how hormones affect us at different stages of our lives. And she's won uh, more awards and appeared in more magazine radio shows than I could even begin to name. Now, her seventh book, The Fountain of Truth, Outsmart Hype, False Hope, and Heredity to Recalibrate Your Age, gives important advice about how to give yourself a best self-care to live healthy, happy, vibrant lives at whatever age you are, avoiding much of the science that is designed to hype that $80 billion, well, now it's a $115 billion anti-aging industry. So she's going to give us lots of great ideas about how we can live healthy and that lifestyle is so very, very important, but to live the quality of life that we all deserve, especially women, giving themselves permission to do just that. So joining me, and I want, and I want to welcome Jeannie James back to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Good morning, Jeannie James. So good to have you with me again. This is our third conversation. Dr. Nancy, I am delighted to be here. <laughs> well, thank you. These books just keep coming. I'm, I'm amazed that you just are full of information. And, and I guess you told me before we started recording, a cookbook, huh? What's that? <laughs> cookbook, sort of a cookbook and a playbook for life. Cookbook and playbook for life. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good one. We all need good food and good people around us and all the all the above. But today we're going to be talking about the, your current book, which is The Fountain of Youth: Are You Aging Too Fast? Outsmart hype, false hope, and, and heredity to recalibrate how you age. I love it. First, of course, I want to talk to you about uh, how you get how you got started because I think women is so important to know where other women come from. There, it's you know you see someone smart, amazing, and you think it's so easy for her, but we all know, uh, you know, and I know that there's always a story behind all of that. But if you if you don't mind sharing again, how you got to be the Jeannie James of, of 2015? I will, and I'm just to just to add in, that it's the fountain of truth. So it's a play on the fountain of youth, but it's the fountain of truth. This yeah. book has a, a bit of irony in it, Dr. Nancy, in that I wrote this book two years ago. Um, it came out in 2013, and I wrote it. I was motivated by several things. At the time, I was CEO of an optional aging medical center and had a, the owner of a natural medicines pharmacy, and we focused on, just to give context to that, 
we focus on the Harvard model of testing at the cellular level what your hormone imbalances might be, micronutrient deficiencies, uh, and also genetic biomarkers. So very much ahead of the times. But we, uh, in 2014, did 21,000 patient touches. And so uh, our model was, the commitment was, we want to keep you healthy for life. What's the point, I always say, what's the point in living 10 to 15 years longer if you're fat, sad, sick, and broke? Yeah, you know? That that's the premise is that we're we we're all gonna we are the likelihood that we're gonna live longer than our mothers and grandmothers and fathers and grandfathers it's there, but the uh, the chronic disease is rampant and so we want to do everything we can to stay well and healthy and the focus of the uh, fountain of truth is on lifestyle medicine, but my real motivation to write it was twofold a dear friend of mine who actually it's gonna get a little complicated but it was actually my now ex husband's first wife. Got that? Now it's uh-huh. the first wife. She lived with us during her chemo and radiation, and we became very, very close. And then she died uh, after a 25-year battle of cancer. She died um, in January of 2012, and she really, uh, she really edified me and begged me to finish this book. Yeah. Uh, she said it was the story that what women needed to hear. Right. And so that was that was a real heart motivator. My head motivator was that in my role as CEO of this optimal aging medical center, I got all sorts of propaganda all the time. And there's a magazine called uh, The New Beauty or New Age or something weird. Uh, but it was an oversized magazine. And on the cover were three women in bikinis that looked like they were almost, you know, pubescent. And it says the future of aging. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm in pretty good shape, but I'm not strutting around in a bikini looking like I'm 19. And I thought, that's the image we put out there for women to aspire to. We're set up to fail and feel badly and shamed of ourselves and that, you know, we're never good enough. And so my intention in in, uh, writing The Fountain of Truth was really to turn that around and say, what is it truly, what does it mean to live longer and age better and be healthy and well? And what is it? And it really is, it's an inside-out game. It's an inside-out game. Right, right. Well, and, and again, you're you're a kindred soul. We've talked about this before, but uh, my my first book was Timeless Women Speak, feeling useful at any age, and it really absolutely speaks to that. Is that uh, the market? Uh, you know, these uh, the, the market pushes at us: stay young and beautiful if you want to be loved. You know, be thin, be beautiful, be young, and you know, we've 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 been given the promise. You know, the promise of youth if we use products and. And I don't know about you, but I sure have used some, and I didn't lose, I didn't lose ten years. I didn't use the product for seven days and lose ten years. I mean, I, I just haven't, haven't been able to do it. So you know, and again, that that always left, especially uh, especially women in our society, feeling guilty, feeling less than, and absolutely, uh, we have to we have to come up with, uh, you know, ageless. We have to become up come up with a healthy lifestyle for women, other than constantly trying to figure out the best fix for what's going to happen to all of us eventually, no matter what we do. Sure, sure, some of us are blessed with better DNA than others and better, you know, better, hered- uh, better heredity but, and also better opportunities for, for eating better, you know, spending time with people we love and good support systems. But overall, this is, an, this is inevitable. But your book, of course, talks about, you know, ways that we can uh, have healthy lifestyles 
and still have a have a great life and feel good about ourselves and not be walking around, you know, shaking our heads and going, gee, mom never told me about this. You know, mom never, you know, and as you said, mothers back then aged much differently than women are today. But uh, And they didn't anyway, have the tools. Uh-huh. Right, they didn't have the tools. And, and uh, my mother uh, basically, though, I, even back when, had a facelift, and it was really definitely cut, 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 and there weren't a lot of options. And I do remember, of course, you know, she, she had had a hysterectomy, and, of course, uh, estrogen was given to her and then taken away from her. And, mm-hmm. and I still remember when they took the estrogen away from her, all of us, all of us kids, if we came home during the day after school and mom was, uh, mom's hormone levels were, were out of control, uh, the, we were going to definitely suffer from it. <laughs> so there was, yeah, absolutely. You know, so we, we've, all, we've all seen it in our lives, and now we're starting to experience it, but... But anyway, so let, let's just talk about it. You know, again, the the myth uh, that we're given, and then of course what we can do about that. But uh, you know, what what is it you're hearing from women? You know, I interviewed women all over the country back when, and this was in, my book came out in 2005. So what what are you hearing from women now? I mean, I think it's good to have a kind of a a heartbeat or kind of a measurement of of how women are feeling. As you said, there's well, let's see, what did you say? 75 million women in the U.S. are over the age of 40 and spend, spending lots of money trying to find the fountain of youth. And, of course, they're going to spend, expected to, the cosmetic industry, the anti-aging industry is going to grow to 1.115 million, uh, I think billion, by billion. billion by 2015. So, so what, what is it you're hearing from women and what is it they're needing? What are they asking for? You know, that's, that's, a, that's actually a complex question. Women come in asking to lose weight and to look younger. That's what they come in asking for, but that's not really the core thing that they're seeking. They're seeking a recovered or uh, re, or edified self-esteem in the right. face of youth movement, of youth as the, god, the goddess we should strive for. Um, right. And I'm going to share this personally. I, uh, last year, was... Uh, in the hospital in July last summer with uh, having to have a cardiac catheterization. Um, and it was, I was finally diagnosed with something called Prinzmetal angina, which is a stress-related uh, heart attack, really, is what it is. And it's, my mother died of a heart attack at 64, so I'm very sensitive to that. Uh, I have a predisposition, and I have a genetic biomarker called LP little a, which is the one genetic biomarker for cardiovascular disease that cannot be infected by diet or exercise. Here I am in the hospital. I look like, I mean, I look probably 30 years older than I do today. There's lots of stress going on. My trying to solve everybody's world but my own. And I had to really go back, and the premises that I had written in this book, I had to live them out. And the first one is that it is irrefutable, the data is irrefutable, that having faith in a higher power Whatever your faith might be, whether you God, Yala, um, Martha, I mean, but having faith in something larger than yourself is the number one indicator, the yeah. number one indicator of health and longevity. And there's studies out of many, many places. Most recently, Duke has published a whole new set of studies on the faith phenomena. And so that's not a that's not anything that's in a, in a box or in a jar. That's no. how we get quiet every day and tune into something larger than ourselves and realize that there's many things in our world that are beyond our control. 
And so here I was running a you know, seven plus million dollar company and thirty plus employees, and I uh, my marriage was in trouble, and I kept running on the rabbit wheel, just running, running, running. And I, that time in the hospital caused me to stop and just take count of what's going on in my life and. Where was I thinking I was bigger than God, so to speak, that I had an agenda that I could work everything out versus stopping and asking what needs to be done? So faith yeah. is a big thing. Let me, can I, let me just, let me just yep. comment on that because I think, I think that is so extremely important that, again, women, women are starting to hear that there, there are so many other choices and so many other ways of approaching uh, the next chapter in their life. And I think that's, Again, the most important thing that we we can offer to women is that wait a minute, there's such a much better, healthy way to do this. So I congratulate you on that, and I'm glad you you had your moment. I think sometimes we have to have our moments, those opportunities or those things occur in our lives that wake us up and, and let us move forward. So okay, so you had your wake up call. Well, and yeah, and you know what you said, Doctor Nancy, is so true in the very beginning when you said people look at you and think you have it all together. Right. Yeah, they look at you and think you have it all together. And I was a I, I was a raging mess, right? So the, number one was the faith thing. Uh, number two, and, and again, the data, there's, this is out of UCLA data, but it's the girlfriend factor. So women, it's not true of men, but women who have healthy, um, positive thinking, optimistic support system of girlfriends, of women friends, that's the second top indicator of health and longevity. And so yeah. there's a lot of research on socialization for post-cancer treatment and cardiovascular disease, but there's really been a lot of new research coming out of UCLA primarily looking at what's called the oxy, uh, oxytocin factor, and not right. oxycontin, but oxytocin. So oxytocin right. is a hormone that women is released within women when you're around other women, uh-huh. and it, it positive women, and it sustains. And, it, and while those levels are higher, you, you make better decisions, better financial judgment, better relationship decisions. Now, interestingly enough, men also get a boost in oxytocin. Guess when it happens for them? <laughs> uh, I'm guessing. What is it? They, they feel right after sex. Right after sex, they'll have uh-huh. a boost, but it goes away very quickly. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's where women will find that, right, if they've, had, they've been sexual with their husband or partner, that there'll be a, a sort of surge of intimacy that's short-lived after yeah. a sexual moment. Um, but for, with girlfriends, it's sustainable. And so that, my girlfriends, have been my lifeline. I can vouch for that because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my girlfriends either. And I, I went right. through a, a very serious, nasty d- divorce, and, and I'm still standing. And I, I really do attribute to the uh, the girlfriends that showed up and the women that showed up in my life that boosted me up, lifted me up, and were there for me no matter what. And I... I you know, and I, and I think that's so important because women, until we finally understand that, and we're competing each other, uh, competing with the, each other instead of connecting and really supporting each other, we're really missing the boat on that. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I vote for I vote I vote for girl time and girl girlfriends. Yes. And and you know, and I'm like you. I also had to look at my life and get very real. And um, one of the a, a healthy relationship, marriage for women can be one of the healthiest things. Or it can be one of the uh, most toxic things. And I had—I was married to a, 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 a man who had many good features, but our relationship had gotten very toxic. And when I got honest about that and made the decision to leave, it was my girlfriend who um, helped me relocate to Nashville, uh, who furnished a condo for me till I could get my things up here, who literally had everything from toilet paper to wine to, you know, Cheetos. 
there. And, um, <laughs> you know, and so, you know, and cat food and cat litter. And so it was it was because of them that I, I am still standing and still walking. And so that's a real, another testimony. Exercise for me is medicine. And so for me, exercising outside and being in nature is so critical. I mean, it's just so critical because when I can't find that, that feeling that all will be well, um, if I go outside and I see a cardinal pop on a branch or a turtle up on a log, whatever, and I know that there's a mystery beyond my little drama that I happen to be living out right now, then that's very calming to me. And, again, that calm, there's nothing more beautiful than a calm, rested woman. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah so. Well, and exercise, as you, you know, you were talking about stress, but for, ex, for all of us, exercise is something we can start, we can finish, and we can actually accomplish. And I think that for women, it's also taking time for yourself. Like make a date with yourself. Make a date yeah, with yourself and make a date with a girlfriend to do it. You know, I mean, that's another way you can connect with your girlfriend and both take care of you and get get your blood going. And, um, and I mix it up. I think women need to have a toy box so that you get your, for one thing, your body uh, outsmarts you. So if you're, uh, you're doing the same routine at the gym, you'll start burning fewer and fewer calories and getting less and less muscle results because your body has figured out that's what you're doing, and so it's conserving. And so, you know, uh, I always have a toy box of things you enjoy doing. I personally, I love to walk. I'm not a runner. Um, I do yoga. I've started this thing called Bar 3, and that's a mixture of, of ballet, Pilates, and yoga to fast-paced, loud music, and I'm the oldest one there by 15 years, and it busts my fanny. And you know what? I can see a big difference in my body from that. And mostly because it stretches me so I have to really work at it. I'm so out of my head because I live in my head so much that I'm just sweaty and exhausted and come home and take a shower. I'm a different person. So I always encourage women like me and you to have a variety of things you enjoy so that you're not going to talk yourself out because the weather's bad one day. Well, you do. You have things you can do if the weather's bad. You go inside and, you know, have things you do with girlfriends and things you do by yourself. Yeah, well, I took up horseback uh, riding and showing show horses. So. Oh, it, wow. Yeah, and I think I think that's the important thing. Women, no matter what you what your what age you are, can can start a new a uh, new uh, a new hobby or again a new form of exercise. So yeah, yeah, the horses will will also uh, horseback riding also will will beat that butt up too. So you know the thing is is that we can keep keep learning and growing and finding things that we truly love and are passionate about. Like you said, it's yeah. it's something that also you you do you have to learn to find something that really makes you feel good. Not instead of you've done it now, you go, Okay, I've exercised that check, that's off the list. So it's gotta be something right. also that you're very passionate about. Okay, so this one, you know, I get some pushback about this, but this is also the data is there, but it's what's called a zip code health, wealth, life effect. And so if you go throughout our country and you look at the wealthiest zip codes, people in those zip codes live longer and live healthier as long as they live. Why is that? It's no surprise. They can typically afford to eat better food. Uh, they're, if they're that wealthy, they're typically not as stressed. They take vacations. Now, who falls off that wealth health pyramid are uh, C-suite women, okay, C-suite yeah. women, and women who are caregivers for parents or uh, children with special needs. And so C-suite women, women who are caregiving for parents or family members or special needs children, their stress trumps. No matter how much money they have, their stress trumps that. And so they're more prone to depression and anxiety and 
and uh, all this apocalypse of health things that come from that. So stress is a killer at a cellular level, and if we deny that, we're really taking the juice out of our bones. I mean, it's, it's the, stress is a killer. And yeah. so we live in a world where getting rid of stress is probably impossible, but learning uh, how to manage it, whether it is through exercise, knowing that certain foods will be triggered by stress. Uh, I have a friend, Nan Allison, who is a registered dietitian here in Nashville, and she's written several books, and she does a lot on emotional eating. And she talked about why, literally at a cellular level, why you crave uh, fatty foods because of what it's doing to calm you down, why carbs are... Um, more at certain times of the month, more stimulus, why we need, why we look for chocolate. And so I really paid attention to that because in my most stressful time, I get to this point where I don't, I'm too tired to chew, literally. <laughs> and so I, you know, I smash potatoes and pudding and grits. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just out. Yeah. And so it, with that, when I'm doing mashed potatoes or grits, it's a stick of butter with everything, right? So I've had to watch if I'm really stressed. Maybe what I need right now is some protein that maybe is softer that I don't have to chew as much but th- th- because the, I don't get satiated with the mashed potatoes or the ice cream or the, you know, something with a lot of butter. I, I keep craving more. And so I've, but I'm aware today, enough aware, that I see that coming. And so I don't deprive myself that maybe with my mashed potatoes I'm going to have a baked, piece of baked chicken. And I really am consciously looking at, I've got to fuel my life and fuel my growth. Um, so that's a huge one. Something that we don't talk about a lot as women is, is back to that money factor. And money, uh, money, women need to stop worrying so much about money. And, and also that money, it's okay to have money. It's okay, it's okay to have, to have money. money. Yeah. It's okay to have your own money. And, and in fact, I would encourage everyone to make sure they have their own money. And I will share this candidly and somewhat vulnerably, but in order to exit my marriage, so my personal individual net worth in May of 2014, my personal individual no marital assets was $7.93 million, okay, $7.93 million. In order to make the change in my life, which I chose, in order to make that change, um, I, it was a financial bloodbath. I am now um, selling, um, I've got, become friends with Barry's Pawn Shop in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Hello. I've got my wedding silver out there. I've sold my diamonds, and I'm really starting over from scratch. And actually, I'm not just starting over from scratch. It cost me everything to get out. And um, I couldn't do that if I didn't have my faith and I didn't have my girlfriends and that I didn't have a new de- uh, definition of prosperity, which is a plethora of talents and ideas and grace. So yeah. I'm 50, I'll be 56 next month, and I'm starting over from nothing. And wow. if there are days when I want to crawl under the bed and not even think about it. Yeah. You know, how in the world am I in a subpar condo? When I, two years ago, I had three homes. Subpar yeah. condo, at least car. Uh, I pray every day to say, what, how, how, how's this month going to go, God? And I'm also interviewing for very high-level roles and positions with venture capitalists and private equity firms. So I'm really in that pendulum swinging between what was old and lost and what's new and coming. And it is, again, my faith in my girlfriends and my awareness that I will never again, my mistake was I mixed my business up with my marriage. And uh, I will never again make that mistake. So having your own money and protecting it for your own wherewithal is not selfish. It's wisdom. And most of our mothers did not have that. Uh, that luxury, if you will. My mother had a didn't have a college degree. She had a high school degree, and she was widowed for initially at 25 with a five-year-old. And then she, her only choice was to marry again. I mean, her her plan was man. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know? And my plan is yeah, I'm going to do something and make a difference, and I will be fine. Um, and I should have made some very different financial decisions to protect myself financially. And, and I didn't, so I've learned. Yeah. I, I think that's that's something now women are beginning to truly understand. I was blessed with a mother that had money and, and made sure she had money and also told me that I needed to also. But, again, it's so easy sometimes to hand the reins over to somebody else who you think and trust is going to be the very best for you. And then in the long run, when when the crap hits the fan, that's when, you know, everything goes south. But, uh, yeah. you know, again, it's so important for us to understand what our power is, the power to do things in our life. And money just happens to be a vehicle that helps us get there. Okay, one more thing. Let's just do one more because I think we're running out of time here. But I think the most important thing is is the overall lifestyle but what 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 would you what would you say if you had to summarize it at all i mean you're you're saying it in so many different ways but but Jean, yeah. what would I you say overall women need to do with this book and and again what your what your goal is and what you hope for women by reading this book my goal is that women will read this and understand that beauty and youth is an inside out phenomena and it's not an it's not an age it's not a number um, and that there are, that what I provide in this book, in The Fountain of Truth, is our lifestyle steps that look at space and girlfriends and exercise and eating right. I've got some great recipes in there. And most importantly, that we are in charge of our own lives with the grace of God, as our, is our however you want to say it, your pipeline or your flagship or however you use that. But we, we have to make those choice, choices to take care of us. And I think never before has it been so true that if we don't at this stage of our lives, it's, you know, from 30 on up, but really from your 40s on up, it's critical. If you don't, quote, unquote, put your own oxygen mask on first and take care of you, you won't age well and you won't be here well and healthy when you're it's in your final days. And so that's what I want for all of us is that we're vibrant and vital and we're making a difference and we're having fun and you know, and we're laughing all the way. My daddy's 86, and he's coming to visit me this weekend with his 84-year-old girlfriend named Bunny. So, you know, I have one parent that died at 64, and I got another one that's date, outlived three wives and dating Bunny. And, you know, that's what I'm going to aspire to. That's what well, I'm going to aspire to. My, my guess is that you, you have, uh, you've got all the tools you need. You call it the toolkit. And I think that's a, the, the best thing about your book. It really is a toolkit. and. Uh, you know, I found it extremely useful, and, and some of the things re- it helped to remind me again that, you know, you don't give up, you don't have to give up things to be you. And I think that's what women have to understand. It's really about putting yourself higher on the on that people, place, and things list. And, and women, it's okay to do that. And when push comes to shove, you know, you're you're going to be taking care of yourself, and you have to have a support system. And typically, it is those girlfriends that show up 99% yeah. of the time. Actually, 100% yep. of the time. But so, Absolutely. where can they find the book and more about you? Yep. And, and any book, any bookstore, you can order it for you. If they don't have it on the shelf, it's available at Amazon. The Fountain of Truth. Um, I am in the process of, deci- of of finding out who I'm going to be in this next stage of my life, and I'm excited about that. I'm also <laughs> working on a, a book called The Do Nothing First, so it's focusing on stress and the and the negative health impact stress. So it's Do Nothing First, Flatter Belly for Life playbook and cookbook so stay tuned for that um because i'll have that to share in the next year but mostly i just wish everyone you know a little a little bit more laughter today a little bit more grace a little bit more wisdom and mostly the permission to say i always come first yeah yeah absolutely well you know 
uh, you, you uh, my, my latest book is called Leading Women, 20 Women's Secrets to Success in Business, Life, and Leadership. And you are now one of those leading women as far as what you're doing and what you're doing to support women. So I congratulate you on all your work, the work that you'll continue to do. And if there's anything that we can do to help and support what you're doing, you just you let know, us know. For any of your any of your audience that pray, um, I would just like to ask for their prayers right now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I definitely believe the, the higher power and, and the belief in something greater than ourselves is very, very good. And also the very last thing you talk about in your book, and I believe this also, is the greater good, what we do for others, that we also gain such great strength and and such support by helping others too and making this a better world. And Jeannie, you're doing just that, and I want to congratulate you and I wish you the very best. I'm glad (laughs) we're friends. We're going to have more conversations, and I look forward to that, Dr. Nancy. Absolutely. So you let us know when the, that book comes out and anything else that you want us to help and promote, you let us know. But you have a great day, and I'm glad we got a chance to talk again, and so I'll look forward to our next conversation.